Welcome to episode 13 of Little Cabin Knits, Unexpected Precious Gifts. Little Cabin Knits is a bi-weekly podcast all about knitting, mental health, advocacy, and life happenings here in the wilds of Alaska with a little bit of Hugo just sprinkled over the top. I'm your host, Emily. I'm a knitter, crafter, mental health therapist, advocate, advocate, and explorer of everything my beautiful state of Alaska has to offer. This week's episode contains administration, spotlight, raise a cuppa, on the shelf, on the couch, personal skill set, a time for Hugo, and contemplation corner. I have a lot to share with you guys today, so I hope you can grab a cuppa of your choice, settle back, and relax as we explore everything that I have to talk to you about. Administration. Well, you can find me, Emily, on Instagram and Ravelry as Anders Mill Knits, and on YouTube as Between Knits and Pearls. You can find all the show notes for this episode on our website of Anders Mill Nil. <laughs> Let's try that again. Anders Mill forward slash website. I know, it's a lot, but I'll try and copy and paste that into the mini show notes that I include in every episode here, wherever you're streaming your podcast from. If you have a question, a comment, like to be a guest on Little Cabin Knits, or would just like to chit-chat, you can email me at littlecabinknitsak at gmail.com. So, the sign-ups for Merry Everything and Happy Always in July swap is now open! And all the details can be found on my Ravelry group, Between Knits and Pearls. I'm so excited about this. We've had a lot of interest, and I hope that we have a great group for this summer. Now, speaking of summer, during the summer months, there are a lot of knit-alongs happening and great activities to join in with in our knitting community or crafting community. And while I know I'm not aware of them all, I thought I would just name the few that I know of that is happening um, right now. And hopefully, well, people will share if they know of others that are happening. So... Boston Jen Knits of the Downseller Studio Podcast and YouTube channel is kicking off her annual Splash Pad Party from May 28th through July 31st. So that's coming up. The Crazy Sock Lady is gearing up for her annual Summer Sock Camp. And you can find out all about that on her YouTube channel. I couldn't find that Crazy Sock Lady actually has a website So I couldn't link you to that. So I just linked in the show notes to the episode where she talks all about Summer Sock Camp. Then there's the Craft Cooked Read Pop... No, let's try that one again, too. Craft Cook Read Repeat Podcast with Monica and Courtney. And their Summer Bingo starts at the end of May. And of course, we all know the Knit Girl Stash Dash. And that one is coming up, and even though they haven't given the exact dates that I have seen, in fact, they haven't even mentioned it recently in the podcasts I've been watching, but it usually starts at the end of May when school lets out. And so if you want to go to their website, I'm sure they'll have more details there. Then there's the Vogue Virtual Knitting Live happening May 13th through the 16th. And then there's also two more events happening in June from the 10th through the 13th and July from the 15th to the 18th. I'm really grateful that Vogue Knitting has trans transformed translated their in-person events to this virtual platform. And while I haven't been able to attend any of them as yet, because they always seem to be happening when I am deep into work, I hope that at one of these events, probably either the June or July ones, that I can carve out some time to attend, because I'd really love that. And then I heard that Indian Tangled is having their virtual show as well from May 14th through the 16th. 
Now, all of these places I have linked in my show notes, and a great many of them I have to thank Boston Jen for keeping us all in the know for these events. But I am really excited about all that the summer has to bring, and I know there's a bunch more. So let's keep crafting during these summer months. Spotlight. Well, my knitting friends, this week I had planned on highlighting a very beloved audio podcast that I have listened to for years and I believe I've listened to since the very beginnings of this podcast, which is very good. But we're going to have to talk about that next week, next episode, because my plan was railroaded this morning. As I was working out, I tried a new to me podcast and was so struck by it that I just had to highlight this podcaster instead. So the podcast I'm talking about is called I Thought I Knew How, a podcast about knitting and life. This is hosted by Anne Frost, and you can find her on her website, which is linked in the show notes, and is by the same name as her podcast, which, like I said, is I Thought I Knew How, a podcast about knitting and life. And you can also find her on Instagram as I Thought I Knew How. So my introduction to this podcast this morning was actually episode 56, Amy Snell, The Devious Knitter. Now, at first, I didn't think I would like it as Anne was interviewing Amy Snell of Lion of Lion Brand. Whoa, pardon that. I dropped my mic. However, I want to say that I was immediately drawn in by both of their personalities, their stories, not to mention their humbleness. And so I could just go on and on about this, uh, this just this one episode that I listened to. But instead... I'm going to recommend that you do yourself a favor and go over and give it a listen. Amy talks about her journey to find her own path within a five-generation family-owned company, her Hat Not Hate campaign to advocate against bullying, the She Show she started on Facebook where she streams live every day since COVID lockdown started back in March of 2020, and so much more. Like I said, I have links to all the above in the show notes. Well, now back to the host. Anne's journey to creating her knitting podcast is also inspiring, and I went down a deep rabbit hole when I went to her website. She has so many projects, guys, to bring knitters together from around the world. The one that I will mention here is her online International Fiber Festival, and it's currently running from May 1st through the 8th. So if you're listening to this right as this episode drops, you'll have, well, it is May 7th, so you'll have at least a day and a half. But from what I gather, I think she records all of it, so you can still see it all. And, I mean, I'm just not even going to mention all the places that she takes you to. And it's just mind-boggling to me, all the work that she's put into this. It's so beautiful. So, like I said, I could go on and on about this treasure of a find. However, time is short, so as I said, do yourself a favor and find out for yourself. I personally plan on downloading all of her past episodes, and yes, she has a new episode 57 that I just saw on her website, Um, but then, so I have at least 56 episodes to listen to over the next few weeks and months, so I'm pretty excited about that. Raise a cuppa. Well, today, my knitting friends, I am sipping on a cold glass of ice peach tea. Or is it peach iced tea? I'm not really sure. I don't know how all that works. (laughs) Um, The reason being is we've been cutting back on drinking diet soda in our house. And I've been making myself some peach iced tea to sip on throughout the day, while Mr. Radio has been making unsweetened black tea, which I don't get, but okay, from his new iced tea maker. And I'm hoping that this all means that we're absorbing more water into our bodies, because I was feeling a little dehydrated, plus feeling like we just needed to cut back on the artificial sweeteners, you know? 
Well, my knitting friends, life as always has been busy. Last winter, I got a bee in my bonnet that I wanted new doors in the house. We currently have these old 70s particle board doors that show every nick and scratch that they've, and they have seen better days for sure. But after much research, I discovered that buying new doors in Alaska was extremely expensive and way out of my budget. So I looked for alternatives. I decided to paint the current doors white. I bought the paint last October, but it was too cold by then to paint outside, and as I had just finished tearing the house apart so that I could repaint our kitchen cupboards, I just didn't feel that I could put my poor Jeremy or Mr. Radio through another crafter's construction zone at that time. Well, spring has come in as a lion, as they say, here in Alaska, and two weekends ago, we had just the right amount of sun and warmth for me to rip those doors out and paint in our driveway. Just as I had suspected, it was a major undertaking and required an incredible amount of prep and at least four coats per side of paint per door. So by the end of the weekend, I was completely exhausted and I had only completed three out of the eight doors in the house. Now, I'm very pleased with the results. However, other priorities have forced me once again to put this project aside for a little while, not to mention how exhausted I felt by the whole experience. I don't know why that exhausted me so much, but it did. That and the fact that I'm dreading painting the closet doors, um, I'm okay with putting it aside. Even though I know that the closet doors will have an incredible impact, just the three doors that I've painted alone have brightened up our house immensely. It's just amazing. Then last weekend, Mr. Radio and I took a drive out to a little town. Well, I guess you'd call it a suburb of Anchorage, but it's over 30 miles away from Anchorage. And uh, so, you know, it's it's called it's a place called Girdwood, and, and there's always been this kind of controversy. Should Girdwood be its own town or still be considered part of Anchorage? You know, that kind of thing. And we voted on it numerous times throughout my lifetime. And I think we're going to be voting on it again soon. And I don't really know how I feel about it. I have this love of Girdwood, but at the same time, I can see why they would want their own independence. At one point, they had their own mayor, which was a cat. <laughs> um, if you'd like, I can link you to, I, I could find, I know I can, a news article around the mayor cat from Girdwood somewhere. But it's just an old, lovely story about this cat that wandered throughout Girdwood and was just beloved by all. Now, we went out to Girdwood to take a hike, and we'd hoped that the snow had melted enough on the trails. However, we soon discovered that the tra trails were just melted enough as to be dangerous with ice and muck and even still some caving in of snow mounds or cliffs, whatever you want to call them. But we preserved for a while. However, I soon called it quits as I kept slipping and jerking my bad leg and began to be in a lot of pain. Now, I exercise every day, so this is saying a lot. This is, this is how much it was jerking my leg. Now, throughout all this, Mr. Radio was extremely helpful, constantly holding my hand and testing the trail ahead before I followed. But when we turned back, we still managed to get a lot of great pictures, and we stopped by our favorite country store to pick up some well-earned snacks. During our hike, we traveled alongside a young family with two toddlers who were so excited about all the nature and finally getting out after our long winter. On Sunday, we needed to get the tires changed in Mr. Radio's truck, so we lined up an hour before the place opened. We were fourth in line, and yet was still told that it would take them over three hours to change the tires and to do the oil change that we'd requested. No problem. We were right next door to Costco, and I needed vinegar for cleaning the house. Side note, I prefer using vinegar on almost everything, including stains on furniture and carpet. And with a dog, there's stains. <laughs> but that only took us an hour, and since we were about a half a mile away from Jeremy's or Mr. Radio's radio studio, 
We trekked over there where he attempted to show me how to board opping, how board opping works, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> I was lost almost immediately, but loved every second of the time we spent there. And you can see a picture of Mr. Radio in his element on my Instagram page of Anders Milnitz. On our way back, we were crossing the street when we ran into the same family we hiked alongside yesterday. We all stopped in shock, then laughed and chatted for a moment before going on our way. You know, it's strange how you can feel as though you're just an ant in a big city and then run across people making connections that warm your heart and make this big old world seem a little smaller and a little brighter. On the shelf. Well, this week I have no finished objects of my own. However, last week I got a surprise package in the mail from my knitting bestie and co-host of my YouTube channel, Between Its and Pearls. Have I mentioned that yet? <laughs> Her name is Stephanie, or Farmstead Knits on Instagram. Now, Stephanie had told me to expect a package and that it might contain yarn. And Honestly, I was confused. I have yarn, okay? And in fact, I just got a whole bunch of yarn from my good friend Jamie at M1 Yarns in my wedding colors. So I totally don't need any more yarn. Steph, on the other hand, never buys yarn for herself. And if anyone deserves adding yarn to her stash, it's our very giving Stephanie. But I wasn't going to turn away a package because who doesn't like getting a package, right? Well, the package arrived during a very long meeting, and I couldn't leave my desk to answer my door, and Steph was texting me throughout, excitedly stating, It got delivered! It's there! Well, as soon as the meeting was over, I rushed to the door, and there it was. Aww. I opened that box to discover another box. This one tightly taped all over, and I giggled thinking about how we knitters prize our yarn so much that we package it like it's glass. Well, once all the tape was finally removed, I opened the lid and gasped. And then I cried. And then I gasped again. I very, very gently took out my precious gift out of the box. It was the most beautiful and delicate lace shawl I have ever seen, with beaded ev edging, in fact. After st sitting in stunned awe for what seemed like a few hours, lovingly running my hands gently over the lacework and beads, I finally snapped out of it enough to call Stephanie, and the waterworks started all over again. Now... <laughs> I won't go into Stephanie's story of the shawl. You can see it all for yourself in our latest video on YouTube. But I do want to mention that the shawl is called the Even Star. And it's one of those projects that for many years, we as knitters, it's like one of your lifetime goals to be able to knit the Even Star, right? And then you can say you're a knitter with a capital K. So... I just want to say, like, as I tell this story, you guys know me. I cry a lot. I'm very free with my emotions. And as I tell this story, you know, tears are welling up in me again, and I keep having to pause and re-record this story. But I just feel very undeserving, if you will. And I wonder if others feel as undeserving of such precious gifts as I do. You see, I never feel as though I deserve nice things or for people to go out of their way for me. And when someone does, I either cry in gratitude or feel completely unworthy and awkward. Do you ever feel that way? It's hard for me to explain how much this shawl, or my veil as I'm terming it, means to me. You see, for my first marriage, I knit a shawl and I thought, and though I love that shawl, or uh, it was my veil as well, there are some sad memories tied to it. So I hardly ever wear it or take it out of its box. 
I wanted a knitted shawl for a veil this time as well for my ne- for my marriage in September to Mr. Radio, but it just felt so weird to me. And strangely, I wondered if it would bring bad luck to my marriage. So, I had determined not to knit one, but instead to knit a shawl in honor of my wedding, but not for it. So I don't think. I've spoken out loud my feelings about my wedding shawl, but somehow Stephanie just knew. Add to that, she just wanted to be the best of friends and share in this event with me, even though she can't be here in person. This shawl is more than a wedding shawl. It's an heirloom, one that I hope my nieces will cherish when they get married as well. Thank you, my dearest knitting friend, for being so selfless, loving, and just reading my heart. On the couch. Well, I've done a lot of knitting over the past few weeks, but sadly, I can only talk or speak uh, of a few that are already well known to you. Because two are, well, one is a full mystery knit, the other is a partial mystery knit. One, the one that is a full mystery knit is my test knit for a genius new shawl knit with the green or secret forest colorway that I received from M1 Yarns. So from M1 Yarns, I got a sweater's quantity in teddy bear or brown and another in blushing bride or pink. And I also got, along with my green or secret forest, I also got two skeins of Wedding in the Woods. And I have heard a marvelous feedback from Jamie saying that people are just clamoring to get hold of at least Wedding in the Woods. I don't know about the other ones, but I can't blame you guys because that speckly variegated goodness is mm, so amazing. But my other partial uh, mystery... No, secret knitting is my wedding socks. Um, I can tell you the pattern. I can tell you the needles I knit on, but I can't tell you the yarn because next Friday on the YouTube channel, we'll be interviewing the um, maker of that yarn. And so I want to keep it hush-hush until then. So the pattern is called Tea and Scandal by This Handmade Life. And I'm knitting these on U.S. size 1.5 needles. And this is a toe-up construction, which I am a top-down sock knitter. So toe-up always gives me a little anxiety. But these socks are knitting up super fast. I love the lace on the Tea and Scandal pattern. It is so intuitive. You always know where you're at. I still look at the pattern, and that's mainly because I've been binge-watching Bally Kiss Angel on... Wait, is that on Acorn TV or on BBC but it's a it's an old show out of out of England well when I say old probably 90s I think 90s yeah because they have cell phones well early early mode of cell phones but it's about an English priest in a small Irish town at least for the first couple seasons it is and I I watched this in my early 20s and I recently rediscovered it on Amazon Prime And so I purchased a subscription to Acorn TV just so I could watch this. So I've been binge watching Bally Kiss Angel. And so which means that I don't trust myself to remember and read my knitting. So I keep my pattern and the lace charts out for this pattern for this project. And I keep checking to to make sure that I am right where I'm supposed to be out at. Now, the one thing that I've noticed is that I think I knit the foot a little long. I should have started the heel increases a little sooner. So I made a note of that for the second sock. So who knows? If I am really unhappy with it after I block the first sock, I'm okay with going back and knitting it again. I don't know if I'll have time because I'm very ambitious about all the things I want to knit for the wedding. But still, you know. I I might be able to do it. So the other ones, I don't want to rehash all the ones that I've been knitting over and over again. So I'll quickly just mention that I'm still working on my uh, second Alaska skirt by my one of my favorite designers, 
um, Alex of We You Knits, and she just published her Ajulia sweater that I test knit for her, and actually just published it yesterday. And I've already heard that a lot of people are going up and snapping that top up. I can't blame you because if I hadn't test knit it, I would have snapped it up. Um, as well. So I highly encourage you guys to go over there. I don't know if she's got a coupon code going on for it right now, but regardless, I would just get it because I can see knitting up a myriad of these in different colors. I want to knit up a second one in a lot smaller size so that I, it's not voluminous of me on me. And that's all me, not the pattern. It's me constantly thinking I am bigger than I am. But I do want to knit at least a second one. I, I think in a blue because I, I know I look good in blue. I just never knit myself anything in blue. And I have very few garments in blue as well. Anyway, so I'm knitting my second skirt, Alaska skirt of that. And then I'm still working on my once in floral sweater by Maxim Sear. I'm on the body, which is never ending and is very, very long. And for some reason... I don't know what's going on, but for some reason, maybe it's because I tore out the yarn and I'm re-knitting it. I don't, I don't really know, but for some reason, it's really kind of hurting my arms knitting on this sweater. So I only allow myself about 15 minutes, maybe knitting on it during a meeting when I can have it in my lap. But otherwise, I'm not really focused on that one. I'm really focused on my test knit for this new shawl. It's very intricate, it's very um, involved, and it requires a lot of concentration, which I am not upset about. I think it's absolutely beautiful and very much well worth it. And that, my friends, is On the Couch. A note of warning. So this is future Emily coming back in. I want to give a note of warning for the following segment, a personal skill set. I talk about the freeze, flight, or fight response. And I want to put in a warning here that if you suffer from PTSD or any other um, triggering events in your life, that this, this discussion may trigger you, but it may also be very helpful for you. So please listen with a caution. And if you are experiencing symptoms of PTSD or mental health concerns, please contact uh, your mental health specialist within your area and set up a time to meet with them. I think it's very important for all of us to recognize our needs in this area. So I hope that you'll be able to go forward and listen to the rest of the podcast as I believe that it is very informative, but I did want to put out a warning for you all there. Personal skill set. Freeze, flight, fight. Have you guys heard of the freeze, flight, fight response? Recently in psychology, in the psychology world, we've been adding a fourth response, fawn. So let me explain all of this. Many years ago, researchers noticed a response to traumatic events from the men returning from war. When they were triggered, they would respond in one of three ways. They would freeze up, run away or, f or flight, if you will, or they would fight. As the years passed, we started noting that these responses to triggers from, from past traumatic events were not limited to those returning from war, but to almost anyone who had experienced a traumatic event. Now, I know I've m no mentioned PTSD before, but just to recap, PTSD, or post-traumatic stress disorder, is a mental health condition that's triggered by a terrifying event, either experiencing it or witnessing it, or we know, know now by hearing about it from somebody who actually experienced or witnessed it. So symptoms may include flashbacks, nightmares, and severe anxiety, as well as uncontrollable thoughts about the event. So most people go through traumatic events. They may have temporary difficulty adjusting and coping, but with time and good self-care, they usually get better. If the symptoms get worse or last for months or even years and interfere with your day-to-day -day functioning, you may have PTSD. 
For instance, I have PTSD, unfortunately, from some past traumatic experiences, both in my childhood and from my first marriage. However, you don't have to have PTSD to experience the freeze, flight, fight, or fawn response. And I know I haven't explained the fawn response yet. I'll get to that. Um, these can occur without flashbacks, but when your body is triggered into a survival instinct due to a surprising or terrifying event or a crisis, if you will. For instance, when you get in an argument with a loved one, you will no doubt notice that your heart is beating faster, your face may flush, and you may even experience a freezing of thought or body, the urge to run away, or the urge to fight back and stand your ground no matter what. Now the fourth response or fawn is when you attempt to appease the other person. Before I get into that fawn response though, I want to talk about what happens to our bodies during a fight, flight, or freeze response. So this is the sciencey bit. Your fight, flight, or freeze response starts in the part of your brain that is responsible for perceived fear, and this is called the amygdala. I know I mentioned that last week. Your amygdala response responds by sending signals to your hypothalamus. Your hypothalamus then stimulates the automatic nervous system, which consists of the sympathetic and parasympathetic nervous systems, which drives your fight, flight, or freeze response. Still with me? Well, when your automatic nervous system is stimulated, your body releases the stress hormone, adrenaline, and cortisol. So the release of these hormones can cause the following physiological effects. So your heart beats faster, like I mentioned. It does this to oxygenate your muscles so that you can prepare, freeze, to battle it out, fight, or to run away, flight. Your breathing speeds up to deliver more oxygen to your blood. Your hearing will become sharper or sometimes duller. Your peripheral vision gets better and your pupils dilate to let in more light. Your blood thickens to prepare your body for injury. You might sweat or you might feel clammy or you might even look pale. And your perception of pain may be temporarily reduced. So if you experience these changes, they will be temporary, usually lasting up to 30 minutes. The issue with our modern day lifestyle is that we often experience prolonged episodes of high stress, which can keep our cortisol levels high. These can lead to a number of health problems, including anxiety and depression, headaches, concentration issues, trouble sleeping, weight gain, and even heart disease. Okay, sciencey bit over. So now let's go back to my little spiel. So let me, I have a way of explaining the freeze, flight, or fight response that I use with my clients, especially my Alaskan clients, that may assist you in understanding. Okay, so let's go on a little journey. Let's say you're out on a hike and you run into a bear on the trail. What have you been taught is the right response? Do you run away? Fight it with your bare hands? try to appease it with gentle words or do you freeze well the correct answer according to survivalists is that you freeze and make yourself appear as unthreatening as possible so you may roll into a ball on the ground covering your head and protecting your vital organs with your legs curled in and then you lie as still as possible even if the bear approaches you sniffs you and may even bat at you a few times with its paw by freezing and not responding to the bear, it will lose interest and hopefully meander on its way. The same is true of our primal freeze response when in a critical situation with a fight or a loved one. Our instincts are telling us that if we freeze, we cannot be harmed and the crisis will go away or end. So now let's say you're on that same hike and now you've run into a bull moose who charges you. What's the proper response here? The answer is to run, but never to run in a straight path 
as the moose will soon catch up to you and trample, trample you down. No, you run between trees, around boulders, and if a, in a wide open space, a zigzag or serpentine fashion. Why? Because a moose, A, doesn't care if you're frozen, it will trample you no matter what, and B, moose have a very wide turning radius, so the more you serpentine through the trees, the more distance you will create between you and the danger. So then similarly, if you're in a crisis, your body may tell you to run to safety, to get away as fast as you can. That's another basic human instinct. Okay, so what, when and where would you ever use the fight response? Well, my answer is honestly that I don't, I don't usually advocate for the flight, fight response, the fight response, because I notice that it usually escalates a situation. However, this is still a basic instinct and one that we can see throughout the ages. So like when a person or a group of people have fought to defend their home from marauders or danger, the instinct is to prepare, preserve what is yours. Today, that instinct has developed into a defending of your thoughts, your civil rights, or what you believe to be right. So now we lastly come to the fawn response. So as I said, this is a relatively new addition to our crisis responses, and so I'm going to provide you with a little bit of the facts. The fawn response involves immediately moving to try to please a person to avoid any conflict. This is often a response developed in childhood trauma, where a parent or a significant other figure is the abuser. Children go into fawn-like responses to attempt to avoid the abuse, which may be verbal, physical, or sexual, by being a pleaser. In other words, they preemptively attempt to appease the abuser by agreeing, answering what they know the person wants to hear, or by ignoring their personal feelings and desires, and do anything and everything to uh, prevent the abuse. Over time, this fawn response becomes a pattern. Individuals carry this pattern into their adult relationships, including their professional and personal interactions. Okay, so which of the responses do you recognize in yourself? Freeze, flight, fight, or fawn? Personally, I identify with both the freeze and the fawn response. I hate conflict of any kind and when I'm in a conflict or a crisis my body tends to freeze up and for a few moments I lose all my thoughts and abilities to, to problem solve or I try to appease the other person sometimes to my detriment perhaps even agreeing with something that I know was wrong. Because I know this about myself I practice mindfulness techniques that assist me in managing those responses. So for example this past winter, when Watson got hurt and there was blood everywhere, my first response was that I froze right there in my mother's kitchen as I stared in horror at my baby. Okay, it was my dog. <laughs> Seeping blood from his foot in my fiancé's arms. My training kicked in, however, and I was able to breathe in through my nose, which triggered my mind to calm down a bit. And I moved like a mother bear protecting her young, grabbing up Watson and give barking orders. Mom, I need a towel for the wound. Jeremy, get the car. We have to take him to the emergency room. And people sprang into action. Well, then once the initial shock wore just enough off, I started sobbing and my older sister soothed me by petting my head and reminding me that it will be okay. Her soft voice penetrated my new round of panic and I was able to use my breathing skills again to focus on the immediate need of caring for my precious pup. We got him in the car, still bundled in my arms, and I started making calls to the animal hospitals to see where we could go for the immediate aid. So you see, I went in a cycle, and you follow a cycle as well. What it is, that I don't know. It's up to you to recognize both the signs, your triggers, and your cycle so that you too can develop skills to manage those responses.
Now, do I have PTSD from the event with Watson? No. But I don't have to have PTSD to experience the response of freeze, flight, or fight. As these are basic instinct responses our minds and bodies have carried down from our ancient ancestors. Everyone experiences these responses in their lifetime. It's important to recognize this so that you don't feel like a coward, all alone, or incapable. Recognition of your crisis or stress response and accepting it as fact and not a defect or a defect is the first step in mastering and accepting yourself. A time for Hugo. So let's look at a few exercises you can do when your freeze, flight, or fight response is triggered. The first one I'll mention is the 54321 coping technique for anxiety. So this five-step exercise can be very helpful during periods of anxiety or panic by helping you to ground in the present when your mind is bouncing around between various anxious thoughts. This is how it's done. Acknowledge five things you see around you. It could be a plant, a notepad, a cloud, the blue sky. Then acknowledge four things you can touch around you. It can be the table, your hands, your feet, your hair. Next, acknowledge three things you can hear. Focus on things you can hear outside of your body, such as birdsong, talking in the distance, the wind through the trees, or just a moment ago, my dog is sleeping at my feet and he just kind of snorted in his sleep, so I might recognize that. Next, acknowledge two things you can smell. If you're inside, it might be the smell of fresh laundry drying or the moisturizer on your skin or soap in your bathroom. Outside, you might smell freshly cut grass or a neighbor's bonfire. Lastly, acknowledge one thing you can taste. Can you taste your morning coffee or what you had for lunch? What about your teeth? <laughs> the next exercise is called alternate nostril breathing. And this is a yogic, yogic or yogi style breathing uh, that is a great way to calm the nervous system and relieve tension and anxiety. You may look a little funny as you do it, but this is one of the ones that I've recognized is most effective for me. So I do this whenever I have anxiety or, I'm, or I feel like my feelings are highly elevated. So to do this, you sit comfortably with a straight back. Place the tip of your index finger and middle finger from your right hand into, onto the space between your eyebrows or your third eye. I find this helps to focus your attention and can also calm a headache. Next, place your thumb over your right nostril and gently close it. Inhale slowly and deeply through your left nostril. Pause and switch. Place your fourth finger over your left nostril and gently close it. Lift your thumb off your right nostril and breathe out through that nostril only. So now you're breathing in through your right nostril. Pause. Inhale slowly and deeply through your right nostril. Pause and switch. Place your thumb over your right nostril and gently close it. Lift your fourth finger off your left nostril and breathe out through that nostril only. Inhale slowly and deeply through your left nostril. Pause and switch. Place your fourth finger over your left nostril and gently close it. Lift your thumb off your right nostril and breathe out through that nostril only. Continue this 
for a few cycles of breath until you're feeling calmer. For example, your breathing has slowed, your heart rate has dropped, and you will feel more in control. So just to recap, you just want to pinch close gently one nostril while doing a full inhale through the open nostril. Then you want to pause and switch to closing in that, that once open nostril, and then you're going to breathe out through the newly opened nostril, pause, then breathe back in, and then you're going to um, press on that nostril that you just breathed in through and repeat with the now open nostril. I hope that makes sense. If you would like, I would say go and look that uh, this technique up on YouTube. It does help to actually watch somebody doing it. Next is the 448 technique. It's another meditative style of breathing that works by calming the nervous system and refocusing the brain. Here's how you do it. You sit comfortably with a straight back. Notice the theme here, sitting comfortably straight back. Mm -hmm. and, this, and it might help you to place your hands on your belly to feel your ribs expand with each breath. Close your eyes and take your attention inwards. Inhale slowly over four counts of time. Count one, two, three, four in your head as you breathe in. Make sure you fill your lungs as much as you can. Imagine your lungs are filling up like a balloon. If you have your hands on your belly, you can notice how they expand with the breath. At the top of the breath, or the end of the fourth count, hold for one, two, three, four, and then slowly, with control, breathe out for a count of eight. Count in your head, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Now I'm going to pause and have a note from Emily. So in this technique, everybody's counts is individually mm, prescribed, if you will. For me, I breathe in on a count of three, hold for a count of three, and out for a count of five. You may be able to do the in for four, the hold for four, and the out for eight. It all depends on your lung capacity. The key to this one is, is to know where you need to stop because if you don't, you can actually create more panic. Your body will start to think that it's not getting enough air. So just notice when you start feeling that tightening, that's when the counting should stop. And then you can pause, do the count for that, and then exhale, doing the count as far as you can. The other key thing is the breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth. When you breathe in through your nose, you actually stimulate the relaxation response in your brain. So the breathing in through your nose is also very key here. All right. So the fourth example, uh, the fourth technique I'll give you uh, is the fourth one is equal breathing. It's a simple technique you can practice anywhere. It can be done by sitting up, lying down, standing on the bus, or even when driving to combat feelings of road rage. But keep your eyes open in that case, okay? So start by breathing normally for a few moments and notice the space and rhythm of the breath. Then slowly inhale for a count of four. One, two, three, four. Pause at the top of the breath. Slowly exhale to the count of four. One, two, three, four. Pause at the base of the breath. Try to make sure your inhales and exhales are the same length of counts. Continue this for a few cycles of breath until you are feeling calmer. For example, your breathing has slowed, your heart rate has dropped, and you feel more in control. I recommend practicing each of these techniques, and for, for that matter, as many of the other techniques that you can find out there to find which one best suits you and your body's response. 
Contemplation Corner One of the best pieces of advice I ever got was from a horse master. He told me to go slow, to go fast. I think that applies to everything in life. We live as though there aren't enough hours in the day, but if we do each thing calmly and carefully, we will get it done quicker and with much less stress. Vigo Mortensen Thank you, my knitting friends, for joining me for this episode of Little Cabin Knits. I feel so grateful for the precious gift that my bestie sent me for my wedding. I feel so grateful for the spring that has sprung and the grass that, though brown, has started to turn a little green thanks to the, to the rain we're having this week. I have been greatly impressed by your loving words uh, and kind, kind messages that you've been sending me over Instagram in particular. I want to thank you all. You mean so much to me. And please remember that if you are experiencing mental health difficulties or concerns of any of the type that we mentioned today, to contact a mental health professional in your area. A side note on that, if you're new to mental health counseling, please don't feel like when you go to a meeting with a counselor that you're stuck with that counselor once you meet with them. View it as a job interview. If you don't like them or their style, you don't have to go back to them. You can find a different counselor. And many jobs these days offer employee assistance programs where they, where they can actually offer you free counseling services. So if you have that with your job, please take advantage of that. Um, I, once again, I just I thank you guys for hearing me out. I want to advocate for you and for all of the people in this world that may be struggling with any mental health difficulties, and that includes myself. And thank you for your time today. Take care, my friends, and remember to knit what you love and love what you knit. Ta-ta for now.